Welcome to the penultimate episode of the 2022-23 Summer Racing Podcast. The action heads up the Midlands Highway to Launceston for the Oaks and the Lonnie Cup after a huge weekend in Hobart. Let me bring in a man who had a huge weekend across Derby and Hobart Cup, a very successful one as well, and that's Bear Robinson. How are you feeling, mate? G'day, Snap. Yeah, still uh, got goosebumps from the weekend. It was obviously very lucky to get a couple of winners myself, but just the vibe on track Friday, Friday night, I don't think I've seen as many people out there for a non-cup meeting. And and again, on Sunday, we are gifted with some awesome weather, but I just think the racing club and the, and the track and all participants should be really applauded because I think it was two days of unbelievable racing and everyone had a great time. Yeah, it was super, wasn't it? You mentioned the on-track vibe, and I think that's a good point. Everyone that I saw at the track was in really good spirits, really enjoying the festivities, looking forward to a great weekend of racing, and we'll get into it in a sec, but I don't think it disappointed, that's for sure. No, and, and the beauty was everyone I seen was really well-behaved. They are having a good time, but there was no real dramas. Didn't see a fight, which you sort of see along the way. Um, Yeah, I mean, even the Friday night, I reckon the derby, like, value for money. I don't reckon anywhere in Australia you can get value for money like you do on derby night. And the way that sun was just belting in, um, finish upstairs and roll into the cow cutter, which you and Hawke did a great job at. And obviously there was plenty of money spent down there. So, um, yeah, and it just led into a great Sunday. So hats off to everyone involved, mate. That Calcutta's found a sweet spot in getting people mm. with the right amount of alcohol under the belt that they'll Perfect. bid responsibly. Uh, <laughs> there was a lot of spirited bidding there in the Calcutta. Uh, anyway, we will touch on some of the standout performances from Hobart across Friday and Sunday. We tried to put a bit of a, a Magic Million sales spin on this episode of the podcast. We've got Cameron Thompson, who's a trainer, but also runs Brooklyn Park Stud. Uh, ahead of Monday sales, he'll have 14 lots at those sales. I did say eight to him, and when we get to the interview, if you think I didn't do my research, there was a minor stitch up there, Bear, because his lots are split across two pages in the guide, so I only saw the eight and missed the next six, but anyway, he was very understanding. And, of course, Sunday, it's the Oaks and the Magic Millions race day, so we'll dive deeply into those three features there. We'll start on Friday in Hobart, Bear. Raul True. It was chucking it down in the morning, and I was thinking, geez, what's going on here? This wasn't forecast, but it was perfect come race time. And speaking to the track guys, they they were fine with the rain. It basically meant what they might have put on. They didn't have to, and it raced superb across Friday and Sunday. Spot on. And I think people have got to take note of how good this track is. Obviously, I've been banging on it for the last uh, 11 weeks, but... When someone like Froggy Newitt post-race on Cup Day said it's one of the best track surfaces he's ever ridden on, that's just real hats off to the to the track staff and, and their whole team. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've been banging on about it for ages, but this is the fairest track we have in our state. And, um, yeah, I mean, every horse had their opportunity on both days, I thought. Yeah, it was super. Uh, we're going to park the strut stakes in terms of our review because we'll discuss that when we get to Sunday's Oaks a little bit later in the podcast. Let's start with the Derby Bear. And I thought the form shot reasonably straight for the most part. The Derby was one that did, in a way, uh, Dunkel managed to get the job done. I guess the story <sighs> here is probably the fact they went seven seconds outside the 2,200-metre track record as good as four seconds slower than the nephew winning in 2022. So it was really messily run. Harry Coffey and Dunkel found themselves in a pretty awkward spot. But as we mentioned, when we did the preview, he manages to get himself out of a few of these, but uh, there were some nervous moments. Yeah. And I mean, obviously he started dollar 14. So I'm not sure why Harry would go back to the fence in a, in a race where you got a dollar 14 favorite. And he was obviously good enough to win in the end. And, um, that little Raffio threw out abrupt ran a nice race, the one I thought might improve from its previous start in Victoria. So um, good horses find a way, and it didn't look real flash at the 150-metre mark, but 0.3 of a length, so I'm sure the people that took the double would have been sweating a little bit, but all's well that ends well. I thought out of the race, I thought Happy Clam was a great ride by David Perez for a 40-to-1 shot. Um, nearly looked like I was going to steal it coming to the turn, so... Um, yeah, but Dunkel is definitely the one we I think we could need to follow out of this race. 
Yeah, there were two really good rides here. You hit the nail on the head with Dave. I think early on when Harry Coffey was leaders back, he probably thought, well, this is maybe not ideal, but as long as they sort of run along at a genuine-ish clip, I should be able to get out. But the brakes were jammed on pretty early. It was messy. And, and then Blake McDougall on Abrupt, who you mentioned as well, Bear, another really good ride from back in the field. He was actually last on the fence and then took off and ended up outside lead. So... It was a good spectacle. The race rated horrifically against the clock, but I think we know that Dunkel's pretty smart there and we'll follow him now wherever he goes and claim a little bit of Tassie form along the way. And great again that Paddy Payne, who's been a long supporter of Tassie Racing, was willing to bring a very smart horse down in Dunkel. will obviously have a lot bigger fish to fry than the Tassie Derby. Yeah, I, th- I think I read he's off to the South Australian Derby potentially. So if he gets through that, okay. I think he's a horse that could line up in the Spring Carnival later in the year, and I'm sure you'll see the Twitter sphere or whatever you way people describe Twitter. I'm sure there'll be TF or the hashtag TF. So no doubt we'll won't need to really keep an eye out where he goes because you just look at Twitter, and I'm sure everyone will be commenting that he won the Tassie Derby. And it's not. I mean, it's not just Tassie. People that are following him, is he? I mean, he arrived with a spruik. He was winning at odds on at Flemington before that, so he knew he was pretty handy. And a lot of uh, sole choice Dunkel, the inevitable Maltese bear. It's easy to say afterwards, geez, how easy was that? But <laughs> it wasn't easy for a few moments in the home straight. Uh, the Kevin Sharkey Bow Mistress Group 3, wait for age. Phillies and mares. Wasn't this a popular result on track, mm, Bear? Yeah. Love to see this. Uh, David and Coral Feek. Targeted the race as a lot of stables did with Bell CL. There are a huge group of owners on track. A lot of them were there, or if there were any that weren't, they were the in the minority. A few Tassie owners in this one. Massive performance too from Bell CL. Uh, she went superb and rounded them up from the back and was far too good. Yeah, we ran into a couple of them after the last race. They were still uh, in the owners area having their couple of free drinks. But um, yeah, the horse was awesome. Um, there again, Froggy knew it. Like. In the run, you wonder what price the horse would have traded on Betfair at about the 700 when he was very a long way back, but um, it was very soft in the end. And you know, Froggy knew what he's riding in as good as form as I think he's been in, and um, especially in these sprint races. So, um, well done to the owners. Um, thought Embella was good, and, and Serene Strikers um, run up to her form from the previous start in the Layla Net. So, um, if it keeps ticking along, hopefully, it can pick up a race really soon. Yeah, should give credit to the training and placement of Mark Ganderton, who, who swerved the carpet charge on his home track, which wouldn't have been easy because he got a $100,000 race on their own backyard. Instead, he targeted the Lady Lynette and the Bose Mistress and his prize as a Group 3 placing for a mare that's had a lot of issues. So really well done with it. And um, she did look the winner in the race, about 200 out there. Another great ride from Daniel Ganderton, but just blows late from Belsiel, who was – the fastest closer on the whole program and, and ran home as good as a couple of lengths faster than anything else in this race. So as you often see with a bow mistress, pretty even bunch of mares, there'll be a few hard luck stories, but the way Belsiel performed, it's difficult to argue that the best horse on the day didn't win. Um, should say well done to you, as you say, and Bella absolutely ran up to the trial just Wonder Bear going towards the Vamos over 1,400 on Lonnie Cup Day. I'm not sure how many of these horses will actually be suited going to the mm. 1,400. I know a lot of them will and a lot of them are in the noms, but certainly of the locals, I think they're better forms over 1,200. So, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see who arrives there. And it, it might even be right, but, uh, f- well, for a new one to come in. But I guess the way BLCL closed and finished – you're definitely not going to be getting 20 to one. That's for sure. There was a bit of a roguey on the tote here, Bear. I don't know if you noticed that you'd normally got an eagle eye on the tote yeah, pools. But, $9.80. Uh, what's $9.80? happened there? Yeah, what do you reckon's happened there? Do you reckon Maybe there's an all up? Maybe parlay, I reckon. They'd have to parlay. be, surely. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I don't think it paid $9.80 on the other tote snap, so. Double. Double. <laughs> there again. I'll, I'll say it again. Yeah, well, geez, you're, you're absolutely sick if you've had it on the, oh. on the local site, that's for sure. Yes. Uh, shouldn't move on without probably mentioning the disappointing run of the favourite, Dan Studer Bear. There was no mention in the stewards' report of 
underperforming compared to market expectation. Only a little rap on the jockey for Carlene Heffel. But, I mean, she drew wide. We all knew that going in, but the market still loved her. I thought she got across easy enough. There was some pressure, but the leaders certainly weren't going hard. And what I will say is a horse like Miss Tuppence, who was ridden pretty aggressively to try and get up on the speed and had no luck sitting three wide, no cover, managed to beat Dance to Dubai home comfortably. So, I mean, she's a better horse than that, but very disappointing for those that took the shorts. Just be wary, I think, unless it gets back to Mooney Valley. But, um, yeah, it was disappointing. And I, I'd probably it shortened up so much, I suppose, the couple of shorties won the races before and there's probably quite a lot of multis going into that. But Miss Tumbers was a really good run too, Snap. You touched on the pattern was slightly different and it stuck on really well. Yeah, this was a, a race where you sort of wanted to be off the fence and in the running line with the way that it, it played out with the leaders sort of folding up, certainly the trifecta all off the fence. And Emily who was a huge run in defeat, was kind of wide no cover as well. So mm, uh, she backs up in the Magic Millions three and four-year-old, so we'll touch on her uh, a little bit later. Carbine Club Bear, uh, my muscle up. This is one of those ones where it's kind of you kick yourself after the race, I reckon. I made Miami Sun my best bet of the day, and she's – Sorry, he's probably the upside horse versus an ideal map bet in Muscle Up with B McCall. There was another one of these on Sunday in Dante's, who I thought was maybe the upside horse, but wide draw up against Brendan again on Princess Matoka. And I think both times sort of the map horse won and the Miami Sun kind of threw the weight, race away in the home straight. I think he's a horse with plenty of ability, but geez, he's still pretty green. Yeah, as you start, on Brendan obviously got the gun run from barrier three, let Troy slide across on 16 and Miami Sun was sort of three wide out the back. So, I mean, muscle ups would be the one you wanted to be on a long way out, but I definitely wouldn't be dropping off my Miami Sun in this. Yeah, he potentially goes around in Launceston on a cup day and a $100,000 race. Before we move on from Hobart Bear, I probably should give a hat tip to Cole McNiff who, Copped a couple of uh, really close photos early on, and he nailed them both. One of them was mm. Champagne Cinders, who gave Hayley McCarthy her first win back in the saddle. She's had to work pretty hard to get that first winner back. She's been there for a few months now, but uh, certainly live. I had no idea who won, so well done to Cole, who nailed Romery the race beforehand as well. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we actually backed ice for us in a little table punters club, and we were thought we were Colin had got it wrong, so... um. You don't hear many people comment when you get some uh, correct those snaps. So, I mean, you know, Colin's calling on both days was outstanding. So, um, to get both of these finishes correct in such tight photos is a credit to Colin. Agree. There's a great video on the Taz Racing socials that, of Cole calling the Thomas Lines. For those that haven't seen it, jump on Twitter and Facebook and, and have a look. It's great content. Uh, Sunday Bear Hobart Cup. The rail went to the six metre position. Little bit overcast early, but again, it came out super. You probably couldn't really ask for a better day in terms of the weather, like low 20s, slight breeze, just made it really pleasant and nice, healthy crowd on course. Uh, the Hobart Cup, just under a second outside the 2018 track record of uh, Bondiga. So, a genuinely run affair, and this was one that you got right military mission, right run, hard fit on the minimum, too good. Yeah, and you got to go back to the Ascot form snap, like I know it was 18 months ago, but uh, if it ran up to that, I just think it's just so bloody hard to win the Hobart Cup with 59 kilos. And obviously Ho-Ho can't brain them last year, but I think it had been 100 years nearly since the top-weighted one. So um, Spirit Ridge is um, given every chance by Blake, but military mission was just the rock-hard fit, had a perfect run when Ona Costum rode it beautifully. And it was the one to beat on the turn. And I think I've called it a girl, but it was a brown gelding. So, um, yeah, it was nice that a few of my mates were on it too. I think there's a bit of yahooing and carrying on in the Labrokes tent. So um, hopefully someone went home with a quid in their pocket. I think if you did, uh, military mission. How about the performance of uh, the Brunton Stable star travelling gigolo? 10 out of 10 from D Perez, I thought. Mm, Actually ran the fastest last 200 metres of the day bear of all the Taz Racing's recorded Stride Masters sectional data. 
Yeah, and going into the Lonnie Cup next week, like a lot of these horses from this race potentially are getting towards their end of their prep. And Gigolo is going to take great benefit from that run and it's obviously going to continue to improve. So it's one, if it draws a gate next Wednesday, it's going to be really, really hard to beat, I think. Have you, we won't go into it in depth, but so the, the first noms are out for the Launceston Cup and they're really strong, actually. Aurora Symphony, last year's winners there. Uh, there's Grand Promenade from the Ma Eustace stable, but I'm told that it won't be coming. Military Mission Bear was an 89 rated for the Hobart Cup, and I assume this is still in the interim stage, but what's being posted on Racing Australia is 98. Jeez, that Hobart four, Cup four and a half kilos. And nine ratings points. I'm not sure I've seen anything as severe as that coming from a Hobart to Lonnie Cup, if that's right. I struggle to think it, it is. I would have thought... That's rough. It, it won reasonably handily, maybe 94, 95. But at the time of recording on Wednesday night, military mission, 89 to 98. The only horses rated above it are Spirit Ridge, 103, Grand Promenade, 105, won't come, as I say. So if that's right, it won't be anywhere near the minimum chasing that $100,000 double cups bonus for military mission. So Promenade's not coming, you said. Spirit Ridge is 103. So it gets 59. So military mission will carry 56 and a half if you go on those ratings. Yeah, Five but, points off Spirit Ridge. Which a two and a half kilo penalty is maybe fairer than mm-hmm. when you look at it from the standpoint of nine handicap ratings points. But, um, yeah, Aurora Symphony obviously won on the minimum last year, sort of snuck yeah. on the radar via the Colac Cup. And it's come via that race again. So, uh, like I said, but don't want to go into it too depth on the Lonnie Cup because we'll touch there next week. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of ones from me, Ben. I thought Spirit Ridge was maybe flush wide a little bit early down the back, but hard to say he didn't have his chance. And like you said, probably felt the 59 late. And I thought probably did it, ditto Dark Dream, who had a little bit of market support last time, yeah. maybe just peaked at the 200, but a really good run and and. If they go to the Lonnie Cup, I think he's a fair chance. A swoop dog couldn't really find a, a back to get a cart into the race, but I think maybe concerns that he couldn't run the trip at 24 were maybe accurate. And I think they probably got the tactics wrong on Glass Warrior, just going right back from the pole draw, giving a bigger start and trying to lap them like they did in the Brighton Cup's a different kettle of fish in the Hobart Cup, but she might be a better horse in Launceston and, and hopefully doesn't draw the inside. And ain't no deal done. Bear was the horse that throughout the week, if I asked what's what's the cup tip, that was the one that I got more than mm. anything. Um, and it probably, again, hadn't wasn't proven at the trip and probably didn't seem to run it here, I didn't think. No, it was very disappointing. Um, yeah, so... I just think out of the race, just military mission and travelling gigolo, the ones I definitely want to be following um, next Wednesday. And I thought the ones that finished behind them, I don't think can win the Lonnie Cup. Yeah, they've got a bit of ground to make up, that's for sure. Different track, Lonnie, though. So we'll see mm. what cards we're dealt when we record, I think, on Sunday night. Other big race on the program, Bear, is one that you'd be pretty happy to, to mm. rehash. The Thomas Lyons, the little champ, the inevitable. Probably should start by saying there were reports that this was a track record and they were way off. I think what it, what was posted in the race book on the day wasn't accurate in terms of the track record. He's gone super, the little fella, but the pace they went early just set it up so the overall time wasn't going to be brilliant, but he could only run what he could run. The fastest last 400 of the day by over three lengths bear, and I think – Dave had the handbrake on for the last couple of hundred, so he's just made a mess of them. Pretty well backed in the market, and if you haven't voted him for the All-Star Mile yet, what are you waiting for? Jump on and vote. Um, it's hard when you, you've got a share in a horse and you do a little podcast. You don't want to sound too confident or sound arrogant because that's not my personality, but I was so bullish, and I take a lot of what Scott and Tegan say, how, how happy they are with him, but sometimes it's hard to express that on here. Um, but I made sure my uh, closest mates knew that the $2.10 was a very good price and they should be taking it. And I like, I carried on like I'd won a Melbourne Cup. I was watching it with four other mates and we're all the same, but I don't reckon I've ever heard a, as much noise at Hobart, like watching the replay 
probably 10 times on Monday, just hearing the crowd, how loud it was. And Colin's call just topped it off. It was unbelievable. And just changed with a couple of other people. They've said the same thing. They've never heard such a big roar. So, um, I mean, he toyed with a very good field. Like, I have a, a lot of respect for Alpine Wolf and, and first accused. So, I heard Wayne Hawks on the radio say that he could have won by 12. I don't know if he could have won by 12, but Dave definitely looked after him in the last 150 metres. So, hopefully we keep continuing to improve and we get in the All-Star Mile and we, we draw a nice gate on the day and give ourselves every chance to do Tassie proud. Yeah, it was special. I think the way that he sprints up to them and runs past them, you just don't see that on, on Tassie mm. racetracks. Like, we don't have a lot of races at this class, but to see the way he just coasted up them and and to put smart horses away very easy, it's just awesome and something that I think everyone at the track um, won't forget. Can you give us a little scoop there for podcast listeners around whether he will be taking his place in the hell of a street next Wednesday? All right. Uh, it's a day-by-day proposition snap. So Monday, didn't hear from Scotty, so I rang Tegan, got, couldn't help myself. I rang her at 3 o'clock. She said, it's the best he's pulled up. I even rode him this morning. So there you go, the tick. Speak to Scotty yesterday. I'm not sure if I'm going to go to Launceston. We'll go on the All-Star Mall for getting it as a next start. Then today, he's not sure. He thinks we might need the run because he's done so well. So it's a day by day and I can't give you any more than that. So um, I would probably imagine that he'll accept for the race next week and then we'll just play it by ear. Or Scotty and Tegan will play it by ear. And obviously the beauty with the Hobart track, he pulls up so well and he hasn't pulled up so well from Lonnie. And I know that the club's doing a really good job to ensure that there's more grass on the track, which it has been. It just You just worry if it's going to be 25, 26 degrees for the next week up there, we'll get a really, really hard track. So we'll leave that decision up to Scotty and Tegan, but I'd imagine that we'll accept. And then it's just a day-by-day whether he races or not. But as I said, he's pulled up the best he's pulled up, the whole preparation, which is bloody scary, I reckon, and exciting. Well, you know that Scotty and Tegan will do what's in the best interest of the horse, that's for sure. We won't be getting $2 if he goes around in the hell of a street, so hopefully yeah. punters <laughs> had their feel. You don't know, though. Obviously, we, I don't think we will either, but they've been letting everyone on. Like- I agree. I agree. I, um, I was only looking at our podcast, our, our betting strategy, our $100 strategies earlier, Bear, you had a nice collect with military mission. Did take slight unders. You fixed 450, but you've got about a $350 buffer on me. And, <laughs> and just looking back, it's crazy to think they bet $4 about him in the new market now, mm. retrospectively, isn't it? But mm. And I anyway. think they opened him $2 in the conquering. Well, he was From 6 memory. or $7 in the Windsenburg to start yeah, the prep. If, yeah, if you had yeah. known that he was anywhere near this, then that would have been a good result. Yeah, well, but I back first accusing that, mate, so... <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> you don't like, always know. No. Uh, you touched on Alpine Wolf. He was really good. Blinkers on. Uh, look, I think his preparation's been great. The Wolf, he yeah. maybe should have won at least a race. Unfortunately, it's been one where he's sort of had to settle for minor money. But I think he's right up there with the best not named the inevitable as far as this class goes. Rebel Factor was awful. Um, way too bad to be true. Mm. Maybe Hobart first time. He wouldn't be the first horse that's been unstuck there, but certainly to those I've re- heard from and, and reading the stewards report, there's nothing obvious in regards to that performance for Rebel Factor, who in fairness has had a, a pretty long preparation for a young horse. Yeah, and I made a statement. I thought in sort of 12 to 18 months time, Rebel Factor will be the next, like the star of Tassie racing. So um to be beaten 8.45, there's obviously something amiss with him. And I don't think he's nommed for next Wednesday, is he? Uh, not in the hell of a street. Uh, he's got one for Royal another Rambo. race, I think. Yeah, maybe the Royal yeah, Rambo. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's Sorry, in for mate, the Royal my, Rambo. My eyes are only glued to uh, the uh, hell <laughs> of a street stakes. For the one. But we'll see. I think he'll be a better horse in Launceston again if he backs up you respect the placement of him being there. Uh, other races bear Charlie Bucket. Well, 
when yeah. he won his maiden in Launceston, I said that the clock backed up the visuals, not to the point I thought we'd get a dollar twenty-eight. Uh, they did put up about a dollar ninety early, but this type of data setup is really what makes the market bottom out. If you get one that really smashes the clock, there was one of these a few months back that Adam Trinder trained that won really impressively. It might even been Sharma's last that went around really skinny price next time in Launceston. And, and like Charlie Bucket, I don't think you want it again. Uh, the post-race interview with Dharma, he said he was shitting himself after <laughs> a couple of hundred metres. Typical honesty from Dharma. Uh, yeah, and I think like Butters probably were as oh. well. But uh, well placed Charlie Bucket connections there, picked up back-to-back Tazbred bonuses. And I guess that's the beauty of the scheme. And he looks a really nice horse in the making. Yeah, if you took the dollar twenty-eight, as you said, you'd be feeling sick <laughs> after a hundred meters. But he he was he was nice to the line. So um, I did read he has to trial again before he can race. So um, obviously that's a bit of a pain in the ass. But obviously the stewards are doing the right thing there. So um, he's definitely got a plenty of upside. So hopefully he continues to improve for the owners and the trainer. Well, I watched this race with Cody Jordan uh, and her partner on the. Uh, on the rails in Hobart and, and she alluded to Charlie Bucket having all kinds of tricks at home. So right. uh, I don't think Dharma will be super keen to be the one that trials Charlie <laughs> Bucket. I think he'll just hop back on race day when he's got his ticket back. Uh, anything else from Hobart Bear before we uh, hear from Cameron Thompson? I uh, just, I thought um, just a bit of a pat on the back to the street tough crew. Um, obviously hasn't won for well over two years and Tegan decided to jump it. And Scotty actually said in his uh, voice updates prior to the race to all the owners that had improved. And I thought there was just a peach of a ride from Froggy Newitt. So, um, yeah, I mean, and just all the people on track who had a winner on um, Cup Day, it's just something you never forget. And hopefully you celebrate it accordingly. Guest on this week's episode of the Summer Racing Podcast. Well, I wanted to have a chat to someone who will be front and centre with Monday's Magic Millions yearling sales. And that, of course, well, one of those people will be Cameron Thompson. Cameron, thanks for your time. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. We were just chatting before I hit record. This will be your second sale since you've uh, had Brooklyn Park stud. Um, do you think you'll be better for that run last year? Yeah, definitely. Sort of you get a bit of an idea what works and what doesn't here at the complex. And, and with your horses, tricks to sort of keep them as calm as they can for the sales and don't sort of get hurt leading into the, the sale day, which you always dread. But, um, no, we've, we've learned a lot in our first year and we'll continue to learn a lot more. But this year we've, we've doubled our numbers with our um, our number of horses that we're selling and uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a lot more full on this year. So you've got eight in this year's sales, I believe. What can you tell us about this year's crop? Um, we've got 14 this year, actually. Oh. Um, yeah, so we've got uh, six of our own horses from our own stud and uh, the other eight are clients' horses that we, we do as agents. So um, we had seven last year, so we've, we've literally doubled our numbers. But we've got a really nice draft with a mixture of um, size um, represented. Um, very happy with, with all the draft at the moment. They've had their x-rays done and everything's come up nice and clean, which you always you know, have some concern letting the sales with their x-ray clean and they're, they're looking good and presenting well. So, um, yeah, really happy with them as a team. I probably shouldn't ask you this question because it'd be like choosing what's your favourite child, but have you got a personal standout? Yes, there's a Poussin Stallone Colt 123. Um Really striking colt, a lot of scope to him, good walking horse. And I think he's just got a derby written all over him for whoever purchases him. He's got a half-brother that's been running super in Hong Kong and just continues to win week after week, called Nearly Fine. Um, I think he'll attract a lot of lot of buyers from the mainland or if there's any local buyers looking for a three-year-old staying type, I think he just really um, stands out in that area. And there's, we've also got a very nice filly, um, by our local sire in Stratosphere, and uh, I think he stamped them for Graham McCulloch, and uh, we're really impressed with the two that we're, we're presenting in our draft. Oh, well, a couple to keep an eye on there for the prospective buyers. Tazzy's got a great reputation for its breeding now, Cameron, and, and rightfully so. What's the vibe amongst sort of other vendors heading in towards Monday sales? Are we expecting big things? Look, we're hoping so. Um, 
the sales in, in the Gold Coast were really good. There was a lot of buyers there that missed out, so we're just hoping that flows on down here to Tassie and that they spend their money that they didn't get to spend up there with us. But uh, the only concern, I suppose, which we all worry a little bit about is we hope people haven't spent all their COVID money and that they've still got some left over to spend because it's obviously crucial to the breeders down here that we um, we do well here at the sales. Um to keep us going but no there's been a lot of interest well i know i've had a lot of interest for some of our lots um from the mainland phone calls which we never had last year so that's sort of uh, a little bit more um you know keeps us sort of a, a bit calmer going into the sales knowing that we've, we've already got a, a bit of interest that we didn't have last year well to that point around sort of i guess disposable income i would imagine given uh the tasbred bonus scheme and things like that there's probably been no better time to try and get involved with a with a new horse in terms of being able to get a reasonably quick return if the horse is handy on the track. That's exactly right, and I think the way our racing's gone supporting the two year olds, I think you can see that with the acceptors for Sunday nights Magic Millions compared to last year, it's doubled and. People are seeing that there's money to um, invest and, and get a return a lot quicker with the way that stakes are, um, and they're looking more for these two-year-old runners. And um, I think that that's probably what the buyers are more so looking for now. They haven't got the patience; they need a return. But with the stallions that are in the state uh, locally, I think that's what they're um, providing us at the moment with Stratosphere. Um, we had obviously had Ambidextra and Zulu Lambs there and Needs Further throws in your two-year-olds. So um, I think that we're, as Tassie, as a sale, we cater for those early running types and the mainland buyers that have got the patience and the money to spend, hopefully they focus on our, our staying types. Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, as someone who's involved with training and breeding, what advice would you give to someone who was looking to, to get involved with the purchase of a new horse? All I'd say is that probably racing's in the best place that has been for a very long time in Tasmania, and um, it, it's catering for all type of owners. Uh, I know at our state, we know it doesn't matter if you're small or big, um, we welcome anyone, and I think everyone is like that down here in the state because it's probably getting more um, involved with big syndicates and uh, a lot more people in the ownership than it used to be. Um, the way that the Tas Racing have promoted these. Um, owner days and that lately with Tasmanian bloodstock, I think it's the best time to be involved. And the sales, the horses are expensive, but uh, if they're prepared to, you know, go in smaller shares, there's a way that everyone can get involved. Even if you, you know, you add up a coffee a day each month, and it generally covers a trading fee for two and a half percent. So it's not expensive once you get involved. Um, it's just a matter of having that upfront stakes, but. Um, I, I, and again, I think it's the way the stakes are, and I think they'll only get better. Um, I think it, it is going uh, in a bright future for ownership here in Tassie Racing. Yeah, I think that's a good point too for someone looking to get involved with racing, even if it's two and a half, five, or five percent of a horse. I mean, the buzz is still going to be there if uh, if you're lucky enough to get a winner. Uh, I'll just ask you quickly, Cameron, before I ask you about your couple of runners that you got on Sunday. Uh, young family, managing a stud, training horses. How do you manage to do it all? Um, just one foot in front of the other, like my grandfather told me when I was a kid. And um, I always believe in if you work very hard, eventually that you'll get a return. And uh, at the moment, I am working very hard, but I think you've got to do that. But I also wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it. And I'm, I'm really enjoying the training, but the stallion and the breeding side of things is just another interest and it's a whole different world out there that you don't understand until you're involved and uh, coming to these sales, we're just as proud of selling our horses and seeing them race for another trainer as we are as training our own, uh, especially putting in these yearling preps. It's it's hard work for everyone involved, but you're so proud of the final product. And um, It is a big week, but Monday will come round. I'm sure there'll be a few tears from our staff and that when some of these yearlings are sold because you get quite a bond as you do with your horses in the stables. So work hard and head down, bum up, as they say, and hopefully the rewards um, pay dividends in the end. Well, one horse that you got a, a reasonably quick return with, uh, she was a winner on debut, Liberty Ray. We haven't seen her at the races since 
Hobart uh, in mid-November. She's one of two runners that you have in, in Sunday's two-year-old Magic Millions. We'll start with her. Um, how do you feel about her entering that race? She's come up with barrier one, which is never a huge disadvantage for two-year-olds. No, look, I've got a lot of time for this filly and I'm not afraid to say I think she's probably the nicest horse I've had come through my stable. She's had a few issues since that run, nothing to do with the race itself. She just had a few little minor things developed while she was in training and they've all all sorted themselves out now, but unfortunately it cost her um, racing in some of our best two-year-old races, which is disappointing. But uh, again, patience with her and hopefully it pays off. But she tried really nicely for Ziggy the other day and Ziggy would have been on her on Sunday if she hadn't been suspended. So we're lucky enough to have Troy take the ride. Um, a really good barrier and she's a versatile filly, so she's not really uh, determined by, uh, by her barrier what she can do. She'll be able to go forward or go back. Um, She's one of those fillies most, mostly uh, I really admire that she's such a sensible two-year-old. She takes everything in a stride track work and you think you're on a five-year-old mare. So I really look forward to racing her in Sunday's race, but it's quite a tough race with some mainland uh, runners involved. It has come up quite strong, com- particularly compared to what we've seen in, in recent years. Again, I, I suppose it, it shows the depth of the, the Magic Million sales across the country. The second of your runners, Cameron, probably looks the outsider of the two. Bell Blonde actually ran in the same race as Liberty Ray back in November. Yeah, that's right. Look, um, she probably doesn't match Liberty Ray, uh, but she's an honest Billy track work. She gives everything she's got and she'll put herself on speed so she'll have every opportunity. And it's really nice story because the owners are all uh, ladies. It's a ladies syndicate, which again, Magic Millions and Taz Racing push, and that allows another horse to be bought at the sale and more owners involved. So there's a heap of ladies that will have a great day at the races, and who knows, they might be a chance to get that ladies syndicate voucher, which um, comes up um, with that race. So you know, look, she'll, she'll run an honest race and she'll be there about on speed and, and see how we go. All right. Well, like I said, uh, a good mix and a deep field for the two-year-old races. Really appreciate your time, Cameron. Wish you all the best with your two runners, or sorry, three you've actually got on Sunday. We've only discussed the two, but I guess more more importantly with the the sales on Monday, it'll be a nervous time for yourself and the team. Yeah, no, that's right. We'll, um, we'll, I'm sure Sunday and Monday will come very quick for our runners and our sale yearling. So uh, we look forward to those days. But thank you very much for having me um, on the show. I've never actually been to a yearling sales bear. I won't have the opportunity to get there this year either, but a really exciting time for everyone involved with the industry. I touched on it briefly there with Cameron, but Tassie has a great reputation and rightfully so for its breeding. We've got some brilliant studs down here and and Cameron's trying to make a name for himself in that space. A really nervous time, I would imagine, as they approach the sales on Monday, just given a little bit of uncertainty around the economy and markets and interest mm. and all that kind of stuff and, and how much money people are still willing to spend. Yeah, I, I love the fact that Cameron said, you know, his old man told him to work hard and that's what he's going to continue to do. So if he keeps working hard, I'm sure the success will come. And I don't think he has to worry about how much money spent at the yearling sales. For some reason, regardless of how the economy is going, people find find money to buy horses. So um, if you go through... Majority of these sales, especially in the last few years with all the COVID disruptions, the sales have still been pretty bloody good. And our sales, I think, are the best value for money in Australia. And that's why you'll see a lot of the big big trainers get over with, with their big owners and, and make sure they purchase some quality stock, which is what Tasmanian um, has been producing for many a year now. Absolutely. In terms of your own personal ownership bear you've had a lot of horses over time and still have quite a few how do you Mm. normally approach it do you kind of rely on on scotty as a as a mate and the trainer to buy them and and maybe guide you there or do you get into the breeding like personally the breeding side of it's kind of over my head a little bit the breeding side would be like me going to a catholic church and following someone's funeral when i know nothing about snap so i'd just look at the book and wouldn't know what i was looking at so um yeah, so I've been lucky, like with the inevitable, for example, Scotty just basically rang me up pleading with me to buy a share and try and find as many people as possible. Um, I'm just probably going to use some of the examples of the more higher profile ones like Mandela Effect. There was a share became available, um, which I just bought a small 2.5% share in because 
Andrew Eaton's in it as well. And he coached me in footy and we always wanted to be in a horse. And then from that, we won a Magic Millions voucher, which we got first to queue. So sort of, I've been lucky enough being Mandela and, and first to queues with Andrew Scanlon and, and his team. So look, if Scotty rings me up six months after sales and says, I've got some shares available, I think this horse goes okay. I'm, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to jump in and, and pay back to what it would have been if I had gone in from day one. So I just think you just got to know my knowledge of sales is very low. So I picked out one quite a few years ago. It was life on the wise half sister and, and, she couldn't even win a maiden. So um, I'll just leave it up to the experts, mate. Yeah, there's no exact science, is it? Uh, there's an article on the Taz Racing website at the moment. Uh, Oz Horse, in conjunction with Taz Racing and Taz Breeders, are running what sounds like an, an outstanding information session ahead of the Magic Million. So if you're keen to learn a little bit more and might be up Carrick Parkway in the north of Tassie, I'd encourage you to jump on the website and and have a look at that as well. But there's a lot of different ways you can get involved there, be it contacting trainers and things like that. A lot of these will buy horses uh, on the proviso that hopefully they can syndicate them out. And uh, I haven't dealt with many trainers in Tassie that I wouldn't be comfortable having a horse with. A spot on. And my advice when you're out there listing that wants to go in a horse, I just don't see – you're not going to make any money out of horse racing ownership, in my opinion, but you can't buy the feeling you get and the mateship you can create from having a share in a horse. So my advice, anyone out there that wants to buy a share, like buy two and a half or a 5% share, as Cameron touched on, you give up a cup of coffee for a day and it can cover your two and a half percent share, for example. So my advice is to go in um, small, and, you know, if you want to buy 10%, buy four horses and have two and a half percent just to ha- so you can extend the fun, extend the friendship groups and you'll get feelings that are undescribable to people that haven't owned a, a horse that wins. Like Nico the Greek, we've got 10% between fivers. We've all played footy together or coached. And like the feeling we had on Friday afternoon when he won, you just can't buy that. So, um I hope all the guys selling horses at the sales get what they wanted and I hope that we get new owners involved so they can enjoy some of the thrills that someone like myself who's just a normal bloke has had. Miracles can happen with the sales too. I mean, Mystic Journey and Still a Star still fresh in everyone's memory. Mm -hmm. Bargain basement purchases and and one as good as a million dollars. Time to talk a little bit of Racing Bear Sunday in Launceston. We are back for... Oaks meeting, rail in the yeah. true. It was in the, about the nine metre position when we were there a couple of weeks ago for a punting bloodbath. So let's hope mm. with rail true, uh, the form shoots a little bit straighter. And we do have a market for the feature on the program, which is the Kevin Sharkey Tasmanian Oaks. Now, we didn't talk about the strut because we'll mention it here. The favourite sole choice won a four horse race and she was back like she probably should have been, to be honest, Bear, and won like a dollar twenty pop. Should at uh, with relatively ease. She's at a, a dollar eighty. I think they did bet as much as a dollar ninety or a dollar ninety-five early. But a boom baby for Annabelle Neesham, New South Wales trainers at three ten. Justin Needs, who finished second to Sole Choice in the Strut Stakes, is at six fifty. I'm pleased we've got a few arriving down there. Otherwise, this would have looked a bit light. The the Strut Stakes on Friday. It was a re- there's no point hiding from it. It was a really disappointing spectacle, but they did actually run a, a reasonably genuine pace. They they ran a lot quicker than uh, Miss Charlie Brown winning it the year before, and I think the winner's pretty smart. So even though it wasn't much of a spectacle, I did think we have a good winner. Uh, what did you make of the Oaks on Sunday? I'm keen. One here, Snap. I like this. I'm keen. Yep, I'm keen. Butter, boom, baby. Right. I just see obviously sole choice. I've I've been um suggesting it'll win its last couple and I and I thought it was pretty solid um last Friday. But I just think even if you go back to um Butter Boom Baby when it was a two year old racing at Flemington and it finished sort of six lengths behind a couple of handy ones, I just think this uh Philly is the one on the up. Um I love Annabelle Neesham as a trainer. I just think this filly probably comes into the race 
with more improvement in it than potentially sole choice. So um, obviously from a map point of view, it's going to be giving a bit of a start to sole choice. So it'll be rolling along in front. But I just thought at $3 or, or thereabouts that um, this is where I'm going to put my uh, staking plan on this week's snap. Very interesting. Butter boom baby having start mm. four for the campaign sole choice, having start six in her uh, debut preparation. Uh, where do you probably see Butter Boom Baby? I watched the the recent tapes today, Bear. She's settled well back in both of her recent starts. Yeah, you, you wouldn't think from two it would be tailed off last. So it's definitely going to be in the second half of the field. Hopefully there's enough pressure on up front that Soul Choice doesn't get a picnic and hopefully uh, Keegan Latham can get Butter Boom Baby over the top. Butter boom, baby. I thought Soul Choice was probably a good thing again here, Bear. I just think Waterhouse and Bot, they've placed their runners so well down here in Tassie. This carnival um, effortless win last week from Soul Choice. I think Geordie Childs has her rolling along on speed. She's the one that they'll all need to get past. Just a butter boom, baby. I thought she was second pick. I did have her a little bit longer than three bucks. Can't help but think about when we did this race 12 months ago and we we discussed Honey Creeper and we looked at recent starts, just watching her wind up on big tracks. When I saw this filly get through her gears, it, I just had a little bit of a concern that maybe the big tracks like a Flemington and Scone might suit her a lot more than, than Lonnie and the, the tight turns and the weird angles that that track has. But a lot of respect for her. Who did you have third here if, if you had to chuck another one in? Justin Eads was pretty solid the other day. Like, I didn't think she gave up. Like, she's obviously been beaten just over a couple of lengths, but um, it's drawn a nice gate again. So I'm not sure what to make of Hoops, um, and I'm not sure what to make of the Adelaide Visitor or the bottom weight as well. So I think the top two in the market will fight the race out. But, um, you know, I thought Justin Eads was pretty solid the other day, and I think it can fill a hole. We'd have to think that she'd take a, a little bit of improvement uh, first time, 2,100, just a needs. Uh, she didn't have a card in the race. She basically sat at the girth of sole choice for the entirety of that race. And, again, you, you respect him and Jamila looking to, to press on for the Oaks after picking up some black type there in the strut. I, I did think she was a bit short at 6.50. The one I thought that's maybe a little bit of value bears, the maiden runner, serious princess down the bottom. Uh, she went around cricket score odds in a VRC Oaks back in November, uh, beaten eight, had a bit of a let up, thought it was a really good run at, at Sandown, working home down the outside and, and then went to Kynandon in a really slowly run race where she just sort of whacked away, but reports there were, were that she didn't handle the heavy track. Maybe I thought she's one that, that might be able to pop up. I think seemingly she should be able to run the 2100 and at $31, she's one that might be able to add some value in exotics. But listeners might be happy here, Bear, that you and I are going head to head. We often land on a couple, but I think sole choice is a good thing. And you disagree. <laughs> well, I'm just giving you a chance, mate, to make the last uh, pod even more exciting. The $100 strategy, is that is that you? Yeah, I just want to have it on the tote, though, not, not the. I won't give you the local tote if it plays half, half of the others. We'll go uh, <laughs> best tote. tote. Uh, for me, I might go uh, eighty on sole choice. It's a dollar seventy-five with Neds at the moment. I, I think that'll probably be as good as we can shop. And I might just have a little twenty-dollar Quinella and hope I can get something out of the one and the eight there uh, right. for this one. But uh, as you say, you've kicked clear. From 11 races, I'm sitting on $1,249, so that's a, a slight profit. You're on 1606 so uh, over a monkey in front for you is a really good effort. You got 270 out of uh, the Hobart Cup win of military mission for the $100 outlay. And geez, you could have really blown the doors off this bear if Embella got the job done. Oh, geez, a sock jaw would have been full too. 
<laughs> a good run too, so maybe have to follow her in the Vamos. But Oaks, I'm pleased to see we've got a few trainers coming across. Bear, I was a little bit with you. I, I probably thought the run of Hoops and and the South Australian horse kind of thought maybe that form was uh, a rung off, and and they might just be making up the numbers. But in any event, I am pleased that they are here. Might take a really quick break, and we'll come back and preview the two Magic Millions races. A place in the All Star Mile. It's inevitable. Put your support behind Tasmania's only nomination for the 2023 All-Star Mile, The Inevitable. Vote for The Inevitable and go into the running to win $250,000. Head to allstarmile.com.au. Gee, that's a lovely advertisement, uh, Matthew. I appreciate that. And just before you go to the next race, uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night, the Jack Jumpers are playing a final against New Zealand Breakers. Uh, the Inevitable's um, QR code will be on every seat in the house and there'll be a couple of girls um, from 5.30 to 7.30 going around with the cards, um, hoping as many people can scan and vote. So um, it'd be awesome if we get 1,000 people there tomorrow night voting. Obviously, there's a capacity of 4,500. So, um, yeah, it'd be really appreciative if, um, if you're there tomorrow night. It takes two minutes and... Obviously, if you become an ambassador for the day uh, and we won the race, we you get 250 grand. And if we happen to make it and but still finish last, you still go home with 10. Plus, you get flown over with someone else and have um, corporate hospitality on the Thursday night and on the Saturday. So it's well worth um, spending two minutes of your day to vote. So we really appreciate it if you could help us get in. It's an Australasian podcast too, Bear. Australasian race, the All-Star Mile. We'll accept votes from the New Zealand Breakers fans and players. Definitely. Um, even the coach. I'd love to have a beer with their coach, actually. So um, It'd be intense. Yeah, I don't mind that, though. I don't mind that. So I actually don't mind the Sydney Kings coach. There you go. I've said it out loud. So I think some of the carry-on towards him from some high-profile people is less than warranted. But, you know... Let's just focus on the punting and the racing snap. Good for the league to have those personalities, I think, Bear. The Magic Millions two-year-old classic, it's worth $85,000. And we've got a lot deeper field than I thought we might have otherwise, Bear. This race can fall away. And this is probably the biggest, almost the biggest two-year-old race we have had for this season. We had 12 in the gold sovereign. We've got 12 here. Mm. So, uh, again, really pleased to see good depth in numbers. Uh, we don't have a market. We have Cairns, who f- was first home of those coming via the Gold Sovereign uh, Encounter Sphere. Johnny Pinch, Batchy Bullet all came via that race as well. Danny O'Brien brings across Sassy Boom, who finished unplaced in a $250,000 Magic Millions race back at uh, Ballarat in November. And another interstate runner here, Bear, is... Beluga Express for Ben and J.D. Hayes. Brendan McCool rides uh, this horse. Finished fourth in the Maribyrnong Trial down the Flemington mm. Strait in October and since won a four-horse race at Ballarat where the runner-up there, Hell Queens, ran a decent race since then. So um, a few different ways we can look at this one. Do you have yeah, the winner for us? Oh, geez. Oh, I think it's going to be price-dependent, but... The Danny O'Brien um, horse, Sassy Boom, it obviously has got a duck egg next to its name, but before its race at Ballarat, it tried like an absolute bomb at Flemington, and it was sort of one of those real spruik horses. And I actually, I don't know if you remember that day at Ballarat, it bucketed down with rain and wind, and it went around, and it just didn't handle the track. Um, and Sunsource came out and won it, and then Sunsource was well found in... Um, one of the races leading to the Magic Millions two-year-old. So it's actually probably not a bad form race. I just think you've just put a pen through its running that day. But I watched this trial before, and I thought the trial was just okay. So, look, if they put up a nice price, it'd be worth having a, having a bet. But um, the Cameron Thompson horse trialed really well the other day. So um, sometimes it's hard to tip snap without seeing a market. So um, I'm not sure what to make of Beluga Express. Its trial was okay the other day, and... Obviously, it was up early for a, for the plate race in Flemington in early October. So, um, yeah, I mean, I hope one of the Tassie horses wins, to be honest. 
So, yeah, a 12-horse field where we've got four first starters, two-year-olds, no market, two arriving from the mainland. I'd agree with your sentiment that it's difficult to try and find a winner in this one. Uh, probably one thing I would take out of having fallen into Raduna in the Bow Mistress, largely around my map, which was way off what the actual map was, was that that horse <laughs> tried poor and went ordinary. So maybe you just kind of need to believe what you see with the trial of Sassy mm. Boom, and, and I agree, Bear. Uh, I kind of landed on the two interstate horses on top in terms of my market, just from the standpoint of we've discussed the depth of the locals and they may not be that strong. So Beluga Express and... Uh, uh, Sassy Boom certainly have the credentials that they would maybe be too good here. But I would also maybe argue, Bear, that if they had a really high opinion of these horses, why would have they not come and, yeah. and maybe try to win the Gold Sovereign as well? Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, they're only coming over here to sort of take home 50000 when they can race for that sort of coin or more so every sort of week up there so does that say that they don't have a really high opinion of these these babies i don't know so um yeah i just said i love the way liberty ray trialed and um i thought cairns ran a much better race too the other day so hopefully one of the tassie horses takes the chaff home yeah i tend to agree with you i thought i watched the the win again of liberty ray on, on debut we're going back to no, november a 900 meter race you probably can't take a hell of a lot out of it but she did that with some authority and Trialed as well as sort of a, a two-year-old could at, at Longford in really good time for the day. Barrier one's ideal for a two-year-old, I think, Bear. Um, Cameron gave her a pretty reasonable push, has a very high opinion of her. They paid nearly 80K for Liberty Ray as well. So it was obviously a horse that connections were keen to get from the sales. At the end of 1,200 metres first up worries me, but... If she's sort of maybe a one by two, one by three price and, and cans, probably is going to be well enough found by the market. But I agree with you. There was merit to that run. I uh, had to cross from barrier 12 and, and she'll land in a good spot from barrier two. And, and clearly, like if you take out her Hobart run in the Elwick Stakes, well, she hasn't really done a lot wrong. So I think she can win this race as well. Uh, last year we had a dead heat in this race, Bear, Jaguar Stone yes. and, and Blonde Venture. So uh, Blonde Venture, I think, is on the program for uh, either this one or Wednesday. I reckon, did Blonde Venture win on a Saturday in the last race in Adelaide a few weeks ago as well? Not sure, not sure, mm. but... We'll find out when I get to the form for whatever race yeah, it's yeah. in, and I think it might be Wednesday, just looking at the norm. So okay. Magic Millions two-year-old race, I've had no luck at all really tipping out, particularly on this podcast, two-year-old <laughs> winners. The Spirit of Zero was a horse that was good to me early on in the in the preparation. I actually did have something very small uh, on him in the Gold Sovereign on the drift, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Magic Millions three- and four-year-old race there. We spoke about Jaguar Stone uh, she's in this one. Turk Warrior won the two-year-old version of this race in his season. And Emily comes out of the bow mistress. I think they're probably the three that will be most well found by the market. Uh, hmm. What do you reckon here? Just can't get the Turk when he won the 1,400-metre race at Launceston. I think the three-year-old, what's it called? the three-year-old race that they have after the three-year-old cup when it won that last year. So just yeah, last December, 2021, I just thought that was a really dominant win. And um, I actually think the Turks going really well. And I think it'd be hard to beat Grant, the 59s, a big weight to carry. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm interested in what price he goes up, but I think he's going to be hard to beat. There's the one down the bottom of the Danny O'Brien horse, couple of the uh, the AFL boys part on this. Bruce, Ruffhead, Gunston, Liam Shields, Segler. Oh, stop so, it. Yeah, I know. So you'll probably be a fanboy here and uh, really tip it to them. Um, but it was backed off the map last start at Packenham, and it was pretty disappointing. So, like, it started at $3.60, and I reckon they bet double figures about it. So um, just keep an eye on the market there, because where there's smoke, there's sometimes fire. So it uh, it could be one that might bob up, but I just think the Turk is the best horse in the race, and I think he'll be winning. 
Yeah, the second at Portsea was poor at Pakenham. Hoops was in that race as well, mm. Bear. So uh, if it goes all right in the Oaks, maybe we get a push there. Uh, Turk Warrior, love this race for him. Love the setup, love the map. He's carried weight earlier in his career. I think he's had a, a really good preparation. The jury was completely out about him coming into this. Like he, he sort of bashed up his own age group, particularly mm. at two. Uh, at the start of three and, and then was found out later, uh, fourth to the inevitable in the Winsenberg looks pretty good. Retrospectively fourth to that horse in the new market. Again, a set for the carpet charge, uh, good win there just over Emily and, and then had the right run, but was good in the lab broke stakes. I think he finds the top here, Turk warrior, unless Dee Ganderton really wants to make him work for it on Warika, And from there, I think he'll be winning, Turk Warrior. Uh, Emily, she was super in the bow mistress last week. Quick backup for her, probably gets her opportunity to show that she can run 1,400. And again, respect the placement here as opposed to the Vamos on Wednesday, which I guess would have been the other option. I just think she'll be back giving a start and a query at the distance. Emily, I'm tempted to or inclined to go with a horse that I think will be on speed in, in Turk Warrior. And uh, he has won a couple of times at 1,400, so not really concerned about the distance for him. Jaguar Stone just feels a little bit bare that it's a prep that's got away a little bit. She's chased mm. home the stable mate Bello Bow kind of all campaign, and then last time in the 1,000 guineas was only fair. Um, she probably deserves another good race. I'm just not sure it, it comes here. Yeah, I've been kicking up for the whole preparation, so um, she'll probably come out and win on uh, Sunday now. I haven't mentioned it, but I'm with you, mate. I'm pretty strong that the Turk maps really well and it's going to be really hard to beat. Yeah, I think if we get sort of, well, hopefully we'll get bigger, but I've sort of marked him 220 areas, pretty bullish Turk warrior, so uh, I think he might be potentially one of the better bets on the program, particularly if we can get black odds. Uh Good punning day on Sunday, I reckon, Baird. Normally you have to work reasonably hard on Oaks days. We've got pretty big fields uh, outside of the, the feature races, so uh, we'll see how we go there and, and put our tips up on, on socials and, and Taz Racing and things like that as we get a bit closer. Uh, we'll keep on trucking along, though. What have you got for us this week in Bears Brief? So, yeah, I've got no Bears Brief this week, but I'm going to plug an event. Friday, April the 14th from 12.15 to 3.15. Um, it's $150 a seat, and it includes a three-course luncheon, four-choice entree, main and shared cheese platter, drink and arrival. Menu includes one of St Albies, which is the best steak joint in the state, without a shadow of a doubt. Famous coffee rub steaks. So, basically, um, the events... Uh, with Jim Cassidy, with uh, Steve Hawkins as the host. So um, if you get an opportunity to go to this, I reckon you'll be guaranteed to have a laugh. You'll hear some unbelievable stories. Obviously, you're going to have a great steak as well. So um, just jump online. You should be able to find – so it's the Punter's Lunch with Jimmy Jimmy the Pumper Cassidy. So, um, yeah, just it's something to keep an eye on socials, and I reckon it's a day that you should be going to. It's obviously limited numbers, but um, try and get your tickets in early and um, you'll have a good day out. Yeah, I did the Calcutta, the Hobart Cup Calcutta with Steve Hawkins on Friday night. He's a, he's a very entertaining man. Mm, I think if you had dinner and a couple of wines with him, you you go home with a sore belly from last, I'd imagine. And as you say, steaks are superb at Sanabi. So something to look forward to. After the carnival bear, it's not all doom and gloom, particularly as we enter a footy season where Hawthorne will probably be fighting for wooden spoons. Yes, won't argue there, Snapper. Uh, Snap special this week. Don't really have one of sorts, Bear, but I just wanted to mention Abello Bow and the CS Hayes. We've kind of speculated um, for a number of weeks now since it has been speculated that he would be going to the CS Hayes and, and he bobs up in that race, 200 grand on Saturday. Visitors draw 13. Adam sticks with Brendan McCool, who's going over for the ride. I think he's about 15 or 16 bucks with laddies. Really excited to see what he does, Bear. I think win, lose or draw, he's a, he's a proper horse, that's for mm-hmm. sure. And 
Uh, I just really hope he runs well and, and gives a bit of a push for our Tassie form. Uh, he had no luck at all uh, last start in the Ladbroke Stakes. And um, have, has Russian Ronnie raced since? Uh, I haven't seen him. I actually checked to see if he's been this race. So um, Spelling, yeah. it says, on Racing Australia. Okay. It's interesting because I thought they were going to head to the Guineas as well. So Yeah, so we unfortunately haven't been able to get a, a big push through that horse. But I think our bloke's good. I just hope uh, Brendan can get a bit of luck from Barry 13 and, and wish him and Adam uh, the best of luck with a horse that I think's been a real flag bearer for for Tassie over the, the last couple of years, and I hope to see him run well in a race that is pretty hot. It, it has to be said. Yeah, I mean, but obviously you've got to respect the fact the stable's committed and they've taken him over there, and I hope he has all the good luck. And I'd love to see him knock him over. There is one in that race that's got a decent form uh, form line number four, Bank Ma or Mur. Um, it got beat 0.1 to Jack and I last start. So I reckon that's probably the one to beat. There you go. I'm jumping yeah. in on Melbourne form now. I'm getting ahead of myself. But well, beat, no, I love one and a half and a Caulfield Guinness as well, Bear. So yeah. like I said, it's a hot race. There's nowhere to hide when you go across the water. That's for sure. Yeah, and that's how it should be. So, um, you know, I hope Bill O'Boe can knock them over for all involved. Absolutely. Another big addition of the podcast, Bear, a Sunday in Launceston, uh, Afternoon, meaning 15.20 or 15.19 is the first there. Uh, it's a huge week for everyone heading up to Launceston. Races Sunday. Go and buy yourself the next star on the Monday. Finish the form on the Tuesday and, and reload on Wednesday for Lonnie Cup Day. Uh, it'll be the last one of our podcast season, Bear. I think we're going to aim to do that one on Sunday night up in plenty of time um, for Wednesday for probably my favourite race day of summer. Look forward to it mate and I hope everyone has the best of luck on uh, Sunday.